Hello, and welcome to Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. For those of you who are listening for the first time, this podcast is a new project created by the ABA's section on dispute resolution, where one of three hosts have a conversation with members of the dispute resolution community about various topics of interest in the field of dispute resolution and prevention. I'm one of your hosts, Adam Martin, and this week I'll be talking with Colin Rule who, among many other endeavors, is the current Vice President for Online Dispute Resolution at Tyler Technologies. He holds a master's degree from Harvard University's Kennedy School of Government in Conflict Resolution and Technology, a graduate certificate in Dispute Resolution from UMass Boston, a BA from Haverford College, and he also served as a Peace Corps volunteer in Eritrea from 1995 to 1997. He's published two books on online dispute resolution, Online Dispute Resolution for Business, and The New Handshake, Online Dispute Resolution and the Future of Consumer Protection. Good afternoon, Colin, and thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm excited to be here. I think this is great that this section is doing this series of podcasts, and uh, I'm delighted to be a part of it. Absolutely, and we're delighted to have you. Um, Before we dive into our conversation about ODR, Online Dispute Resolution, because I'm going to be throwing that abbreviation around a lot, um, is there anything about your background that I missed or you'd like to add? Well, you were very generous uh, in, in your introduction. I will say I was the director of online dispute resolution at eBay and PayPal for eight years, uh, which was very interesting to kind of see it from the Silicon Valley side. And I started a company called Modria, which was uh, one of, the, one of the, the biggest online dispute resolution platforms. And we were acquired by Tyler about a year and a half ago. So, uh, yeah, I've been doing, I've been in the ADR field for about 30 years, but I've been involved with ODR since it really started about 20 years ago. And Colin, I understand you're also a, a mediator and serve in some other capacities in the ADR field? Yeah, I, I actually started my career in Washington, D.C. Uh, in the early 90s at the National Institute for Dispute Resolution, just down the street from the ABA section. Um, but I, I also worked at the Consensus Building Institute doing multi-party work, and I was general manager of uh, Mediate.com. So, yeah, I've been rattling around the field for a long time and, and have, have had the pleasure of seeing many different wings of the ADR field over my years. But my focus now is definitely online dispute resolution. Great. Well, I definitely want to hear more about how your earlier career led you into the field of ODR. But first, and Colin, I hate to ask this, but I feel we need the the very basics up front in case anyone out there is not familiar with ODR. So how would you describe what ODR is in kind of a broad sense? Sure, sure. It's a great question. And, you know, uh, at the beginning of the ODR field, I think we had a very clear definition of what ODR is. But as ODR has gotten bigger and has expanded around the world, I think the edges have gotten a little fuzzier. So maybe now it's even a bit harder to define uh, what ODR is. But the reason why we named the field ODR was because we wanted an explicit connection, obviously, to ADR. And uh, I really see ODR as just ADR plus technology. And a lot of people think technology means the Internet, and that is a very powerful technology, but there's lots of other kinds of technology. I mean, the telephone, for instance, is a technology that can be very helpful in ADR. And there's lots of other technologies that are emerging all the time. So, We usually define ODR as the use of information and communications technology to help parties prevent, manage, and resolve their disputes. 
So that, that's a pretty big umbrella, and there's lots of stuff that's, that's under that umbrella. When we first started out in ODR, literally we were just trying to move, we were trying to do traditional ADR, mediation, arbitration. We were just trying to do it online. But now what we've learned over the last 20 years is technology opens up some pretty interesting and exciting possibilities in dispute resolution, things that aren't possible face-to-face. So we have a concept called the fourth party, which is where technology sort of has a seat at the table. So party one and party two are the disputants. Party three is the human neutral. And then the fourth party is really um, technology. And you can ask technology to do simple things like take notes and send reminders. Uh, or you can ask technology to do some pretty interesting things. Uh, and we're starting to see that with machine learning and technology-facilitated negotiation. Uh, lots of people are hearing about blockchain and smart contracts. So it's it's pretty exciting, everything that's going on. But I really believe ADR and ODR are the same thing. Just like uh, a doctor may get a new technology for doing surgery, but that doctor is still practicing medicine. And we're trying to put new tools into the mediator and arbitrator toolbox to make dispute resolution more effective and better meet the needs of our parties. So uh, to a certain extent, if you squint a little bit, it's hard to tell ADR and ODR from each other as we move forward, because it may be that ODR is, in fact, just the future of ADR. Colin, that's really interesting. And I like the analogy that you used about doctors still being doctors, even if they employ new technology, because I think from what I've seen in a lot of these ODR processes, at the at their heart, they're still ADR. And I think they still have that's a lot right. of those hallmarks of more traditional processes. Um, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right about that. I think I see, uh, for instance, courts use technology, and sometimes they say, well, why are we calling this ODR? You know, why can't we call this e-courts, or why can't we call this legal technology? So I do make a distinction that, uh, you know, ODR technology is focused on the resolution of the dispute, and involved in that is all the, the, the values and the ethical principles and the best practices we have in the ADR field, that informs what we do in ODR. So if you just build an online filing form, for instance, for a, a, a landlord-tenant court, you know, that may be the use of technology to help people resolve their disputes, but uh, it doesn't necessarily get to the core principles of dispute resolution that I think really undergird what ODR is about. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd like to dig into that concept a little more. I know that you you were a mediator in your earlier career and you still are, but I'd like to I'd like you to expand a little bit about how those skills as a more traditional ADR practitioner kind of led you into this field and how you used those skills to start working on these ODR systems. Yeah, I mean that's a great question. I was first trained in the late 80s. You mentioned I went to Haverford College, which was a Quaker school for a long time. And I was first trained by uh, the American Friends Services Committee. They sent out some mediation trainers, and uh, I was studying uh, peace, peace studies under political science at Haverford. And then I got trained in mediation, and just the light went off. And I said, oh, my gosh, this is practical peacemaking. This is, you know, what I really want to do. So I just I couldn't get enough mediation. You know, I, I wrote my thesis on it, and I ran the campus mediation program, and that was how I ended up at the National Institute for Dispute Resolution. So that was long before there was any technology in what I was doing. Now, I, I was a nerd. I love technology. I, I ran a, a bulletin board, a dial-up uh, bulletin board over modems out of my 
bedroom when I was a teenager. Uh, that was long before the Internet. And uh, when I was at NIDER, there was some talk about, well, you know, what if we could expand these information networks and how would that work? There was a, a resource in the field at the time called ConflictNet, which, again, was a dial-up resource for mediators to communicate with each other. And I was very active on ConflictNet. But what happened then was the Internet emerged. And there was a lot of discussion about, well, how are we going to resolve these disputes that arise between people on the Internet? They've never met in person, and they never will meet in person. Uh, but if they're going to be buying things and they're going to be communicating with each other, well, conflict is going to happen. So uh, at the time when the Internet was really expanding, I was uh, general manager of Mediate.com, and I said, look, maybe we need to start to think about, you know, how we could do dispute resolution online. So, you know, I'm very passionate about helping people resolve their disputes. If you think about the core tenets of ADR practice and the core um, skill sets in terms of reframing and, um, you know, structuring the process and working with parties, joint problem solving, uh, you know, I feel like technology is a new tool to be able to do those things, particularly with the younger generation who are so comfortable online. And if we're going to keep our services in the dispute resolution field relevant for this younger generation that is that is so technically technically fluent and and uh, they call them digital natives, you know, we need to think about how we can evolve our practice to meet our parties where they are. You know, we often talk about fitting the forum to the fuss. And that's a lot of what I feel ODR is about. You know, the, our society is changing and technology is, is affecting the way we, you know, sign our kids up for summer camp or uh, rebalance our investments or, you know, answer our emails or keep in touch with family and friends. So we need to evolve the practice of dispute resolution to be relevant uh, in the same way that society is changing so that our parties feel like, oh, yeah, this, this is natural. This works the way um, everything else in my life works, my, my, my personal life, my work life, uh, dispute resolution is an extension of that. And I think ODR is about facilitating that evolution for the dispute resolution field. Absolutely. And by now it seems almost axiomatic that, you know, the digital aspect of our lives has become, you know, as you said, di digital natives are, are growing up now and it, um, it seems like ODR has to be this kind of integral part of that. And one of the most visible systems of ODR that I, at least I know of, is the PayPal system. And I know sure. that's something you said you worked on in your earlier career. Um, and so what was the experience like for you kind of developing this system that's so ubiquitous now? Um, I, I don't know what stage it was in when you started, but it's, it, if it was from the ground up or if it was in its early stages. Um, so how is it developing a system that has so much visibility now? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel very fortunate that I uh, had that opportunity to, to build that system at sort of a crucial stage of the emergence of e-commerce. Um, I started a company called Online Resolution in 1999, and that was uh, – I ran that. It was a spin-out from Mediate.com. And that was really what uh, uh, fed the writing of the book, Online Dispute Resolution for Business. And then eBay saw that book, and they said, we want you. <laughs> so they brought me out here to Silicon Valley, and they said, okay, you're an expert in resolving disputes. You know, go build a system to resolve all of our disputes. Uh, and eBay and PayPal were uh, merged at that point. So, um, you know, items bought on eBay pretty much all were paid for by PayPal. So it was really the same volume of disputes. 
so I got to work in both places. But at that stage, there there really hadn't been an online dispute resolution process that operated at scale. Um, there had been experiments that had handled, you know, thousands or even tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands of disputes. But eBay was looking at, you know, tens of millions of disputes uh, in 16 different languages all over the world. Um, and eBay had, you know, great coders and excellent user experience designers, but they didn't really have the dispute resolution expertise to think about how do we resolve these kinds of cases. For instance, the names of their dispute resolution processes were um, very accusatory. Uh, you know, they had a process for when a buyer won an auction and didn't follow through and pay, and they called that the deadbeat bidder process. You know, wow. and, and getting the yes says, you know, focus on the problem, not on the person. So a lot of what I was doing was just bringing in dispute resolution principles to eBay and saying, hey, we got to rethink the way that we build and structure and communicate about these processes so that we can optimize the chances of mutual resolution. So by the time I left eBay eight years later, we were resolving about 60 million disputes per year, which is more than the U.S. civil court system in lots and lots of different languages all over the world. Um, and we got to the point where 90% of the disputes that were reported by users, 90% of that 60 million, were resolved just in software. So software working with the parties. We only had to have a, an eBay customer service representative or an outside dispute resolution organization touch about 10% of those cases. Um, and the satisfaction numbers were really high. People really liked how quickly and, uh, and efficiently the process worked, and it generated a lot of trust and confidence in the platform. So that was really what we did at Modri was take those same – I mean, we took some of the technology we built at eBay, and we started to apply it to other areas. Um, for instance, property tax appeals or insurance claims or – other types of consumer issues or product liability. So, you know, uh, really I think the eBay PayPal experiment was a, a, an important proof of concept to say, hey, this can work at scale. It can generate um, consistent, high-quality, durable resolutions, and that same approach is applicable in a bunch of other contexts, and that's what we've done since. That's, that's very interesting. And one thing that struck me as you were talking is that you said the majority of disputes that came up on PayPal were resolved without a customer service representative intervening. And right. we talked earlier about you, there are some processes you can automate and some where you use ODR as more of a, a tool. Um, what, what is, what's the distinction there between things that can kind of be automated and left to, totally to a computer and things where it's more of um, a, an ADR person using ODR processes to supplement the, the overall um, kind of ADR procedure? Sure, sure. I mean, it's a great question. You know, uh, that's why I think a lot of the people who've gotten interested in online dispute resolution are also experts in dispute systems design. Because when we look at these volumes of cases, we, we need to come in and say, okay, from, from a DSD systems design perspective, how can we build a process that best meets the needs? of all the people who are participating in these disputes. Now, I think the sweet spot for ODR, at least initially, was definitely these high-volume, low-value, transactional-type issues. So, you know, disputes on eBay and PayPal, usually that are over the purchase of a tangible item, uh, there's a, a relatively limited set of, uh, of disagreement types. You know, maybe you bought an item and it didn't show up, or you bought an item and it showed up and you're not happy with it. 
Um, and we could create a set of policies around those uh, disputes that could make resolution much clearer. So one of the things that we did at eBay was we had a policy that said the seller was responsible for proving that the buyer received the item because we had a lot of disputes uh, prior to making that policy change where the seller had proof that they sent the item, but the buyer said that they never received it. Maybe it was delivered and put on their doorstep and the neighbor swiped it, but we didn't have any we didn't have any way to resolve those disputes, and it turned into a lot of, you know, churn and frustration and anger and mistrust. So what we did was we said to the seller, okay, seller, you have to get delivery confirmation that proves that the buyer received the item, and if the item is worth more than $250, you have to actually get signature confirmation. And if you don't have that information, if the buyer complains they never received the item, well, then you're going to lose because we're going to take the money and give it back to the buyer. So sellers then knew that policy made very clear what information they needed in order to win those cases or protect themselves in those cases. And what we saw was the amount of disputes around item receipt went way down. So a lot of it is being proactive, is redesigning the upstream systems prior to the dispute to make the likelihood of a misunderstanding um, decrease. And that was a lot of what we did over time. So we had hundreds of millions of disputes over the years at eBay and PayPal. So we got very smart. We would almost never be surprised by a new dispute type because we'd seen so many disputes come in the door. So I think the initial focus and the reason why ODR grew so quickly was the expansion of e-commerce and these large Internet intermediaries needed to find a way to resolve disputes to essentially increase trust and confidence among their user base. Um, now we see ODR come into other areas like the courts. And, you know, court disputes are much more complicated. I mean, if we're talking about workplace cases or we're talking about family cases, you know, it, you can't just say, okay, well, we're going to have a policy, you know, that says you have to get delivery confirmation and it's going to resolve most of the cases. So uh, we now see online dispute resolution becoming a little bit more sophisticated, a little more nuanced, a little more human dependent in some circumstances. And also the the technology that facilitates the conversation between the parties is getting much more sophisticated and in-depth in terms of raising questions and sharing information. So the fourth party is getting smarter all the time as we handle more and more cases. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, initially I had a policy when I launched online resolution, we don't do family cases. We just didn't feel like it was a good fit with ODR. But now what we see is, especially with the younger generation, people expect to be able to do everything online. And everybody has these phones in their pockets. So they're much more open to the use of technology to resolve disputes even in more complicated, less transactional case types. So we just need to continue to evolve the technology to make sure it, it meets the parties where they are and, you know, uh, helps them resolve their disputes effectively. One of the more interesting things that I've noticed just to kind of in the news is exactly what you're kind of um, getting at is um, I, I've read about, you know, I think it started in Michigan where courts were starting to use um, ODR as a way to resolve traffic tickets, but I think it's grown right. even farther than that now, as you say, like resolving um, family disputes or employment disputes. Um, and now we're getting a bit into what your presentation is about, um, which I believe your your presentation title um, is ODR in the Courts, The Future is Now. Um, so right. I want to talk a little bit about that um, and how something like a commercial dispute at PayPal differs from how ODR is implemented in the court setting, either in family law or um, employment dispute or something like that? Sure. 
Well, uh, I think there are some parallels between the dispute types at eBay and PayPal and some of the disputes we see in the courts. Uh, You know, we had a lot of payment disputes at eBay and PayPal where a buyer was committed to pay for something and then they didn't follow through and pay. And and I've done a lot of small claims mediations, and we see a lot of payment disputes in small claims as well. So, uh, it, obviously, it's not through an eBay or PayPal necessarily, uh, but it, it's a similar type of transactional issue. Uh, there's also a lot of consumer issues where someone feels like a service wasn't delivered to them. They paid for a service, and what they received was not what they expected. So there are some parallels with eBay. But as, as you note, um, I, I think I'm co-presenting with MJ Cartwright from uh, Court Innovation. Um, and, and their platform, Matterhorn, I think you're right, is doing a lot of uh, traffic cases. And it's interesting to look at how technology can make that process more efficient, where if you receive a speeding ticket and you think you didn't deserve it, um, you know, they can convene an online interaction, essentially, between the officer that provided the ticket, and you can submit whatever information you want as well. And that really uh, is much more convenient for the citizen and uh you know, it, it, it's more convenient also for uh, the police officer, so they don't have to take time off of work to come into court to participate in an in-person process. Um, you know, I, as a mediator, I've never mediated a traffic case before, so it's very interesting to think about how these ODR techniques can be applied to cases where it's not really, you know, two individual citizens or like a buyer and a seller. So that's one of the things that I think Matterhorn is focused on. Tyler Technologies, the company that bought my company, Modria, uh, is really the number one provider of, of court technology in the United States. I think 50% of U.S. citizens live in a county where Tyler runs some aspect of the courts. Uh, and so Tyler's really focused uh, a, a lot of its energy on family cases. So we're working hard on parenting plan mediation, and we've launched that in a bunch of counties across the U.S. So when um, divorcing parents come in and they need to work out a parenting plan, We've created an online dispute resolution-based process where they can come in and make choices around custody and vacations and exchanges, and the platform really structures that negotiation. Now, uh, they also have access to live mediators online that can work with them, and you know, if they can achieve a full um, agreement on all the aspects of a parenting plan, that's great, but even if they only get agreement on half or two-thirds of the issues in the parenting plan, that can really make, when they go to the hearing in front of the judge, it can help the judge out a lot because they've already achieved agreement in certain areas and the judge can focus on the areas of remaining disagreement. So, uh, as you say, you know, we are starting to look at some of these more complex matters and we're getting more data and we're refining the process all the time and it's getting smarter and smarter. So, um, you know, the beauty of ODR is it's constantly improving. And, you know, what all the, the most cutting-edge technologies that uh, we can uh, demonstrate today and we'll be demonstrating in Minneapolis, you know, in five years, they're going to look pretty primitive because the technology is going to continue to improve. So I think it's natural that people can sometimes feel a little uh, itchy about this, especially if you're not an early adopter of technology. You know, most of us in the dispute resolution field, we're in the, per- the face-to-face business. I mean, we want to sit down at the table with the parties. We want them to communicate with each other. We want them to shake hands. And I think that that still needs to be the default mechanism that we use. Uh, all ODR practice grows out of face-to-face practice. And one of the reasons why we need to understand ODR really well is to know when it's not a good fit with the needs of the parties. Um, but what we're seeing is uh, the preference numbers are off the charts for uh, from citizens to use these online techniques. You know, we're resolving um, parenting 
plan, uh, we're creating settlement agreements and agreement, parenting plan agreements, you know, 24-7, seven days a week. Uh, we're, we're seeing people reach agreement, you know, at 11 p.m. on a Saturday because that's more convenient for them. And, and uh, you know, the face-to-face hearing resolution may take two months. The face-to-face mediation may take one month. You know, we're getting resolutions in a couple days because the parties can log in whenever it's convenient for them and, you know, get a resolution even when the court is closed and, you know, e-sign it, and that's great. And it's, and, and they say, this is great. This was, like, let me spend more time with my family. I didn't have to, have to take time off of work. I could do research and, and talk to my, my family and my attorney and, you know, really be confident that I'm getting a good uh, resolution to my case. So, you know, if this technology can help our parties be at their best and come up with sustainable agreements that, that they're satisfied with, then that's that's great. It's it's helping us live up to the promise and potential of our field as a whole. Absolutely. And I think one thing that encapsulates it is the convenience and accessibility and it really opens up the court system to so many other people that would would not have access or would have much more limited access if they had to keep to the court schedule. Um, totally. I I know you have to get going, and I don't want you to give away your whole presentation because we want to we want people <laughs> to show up. Um, but I, before you go, I just want to take an opportunity to thank you for coming on the podcast today. Um, I have a couple of announcements to make, um, but before we go, is there anything that you'd like to add? No. Thank you so much, Adam. It was fun to chat with you, and I look forward to seeing everybody in Minneapolis. Thank you. I look forward to seeing you as well. Um, and where can listeners find you if they want to, to learn more about your, your company or your practice? Uh, yeah, you can find me at colinrule.com. I've got uh, a bunch of my articles and writings there. Uh, you can learn more about ODR at odr.info, which is the website of the National Center for Technology and Dispute Resolution. And you can learn more about Tyler at tylertech.com slash modria. Great. And as we mentioned earlier, the Dispute Resolution Section's annual spring conference is going to be held in Minneapolis, Minnesota from April April 11th to the 13th. And anyone listening can register by going to the section's website, and it's under the Events tab. And, Colin, your presentation is on Friday, April 12th at the conference? That's exactly right, at 1.15 p.m. Well, great. And thank you again for taking the time to talk with me today. Uh, I'm sure our listeners got some great insight into the future of online dispute resolution, and I look forward to seeing you in Minneapolis. You bet. See you there. See ya. And listeners, please check back this time next week for another episode of the Dispute Resolution Podcast, and thank you for listening.